You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. It's five o'clock on Friday afternoon. My name's Jacob, here with you on Community Radio Station 3CR, and this is a Friday Raid. All right, here we are on a Friday afternoon on Community Radio 3CR, and coming to you from... um, an undisclosed location, a couple of undisclosed locations, I've got to say. One in Sydney and one in Melbourne. Um, I've got my voice back. My voice is in fine form again, folks, after the last few weeks. Even even last week when I was talking, um, people said to me, geez, you, sound, you said you had your voice back. It must have been crooked the week before. Well, it was, folks. But right now... Um, I guess it's, um, what's the word? It's being lubricated with a nice cold beer as well on a Wednesday night here in sunny Sydney. 3CR Community Radio, Radical Radio, um, broadcasting to you on all the W's at 3cr.org.au through 3CR Digital or in Melbourne um, via 855 kilohertz on your AM dial or as I want to say from your secret police spy helicopter in the sky. And I'm joined in the studio today by an old friend of the shows who's been on before, Doctor, I've got to make sure I say Doctor, Yoni Malad. Hi, everyone. Yoni Great Malad. to be back. Welcome Great back to the PCR, mate. Great to be back with you. Been too long. Right. And um, now, you're a Doctor of Philosophy. Allegedly, yeah. Now, I thought philosophers, and we've had this discussion in the past, you and I, philosophers in the older days when the term philosophy first started being bandied about were, what, philosophy, lovers of wisdom? Yeah, so, yep, that's what they said. Um, and sort of were the people tasked to get their head around the latest political events and technological events and have a... You know, there was um, philosophers were the first people who started um, looking at the scientific principles that we take as axiomatic now, um, measuring the earth and all those kind of things. So as a doctor of philosophy, Yoni, Dr. Yoni. Yes, yes Jacob. Can you explain to me the technology behind this Pegasus system? Well, it's funny that you should ask because to, like, well, the straight up answer that I have to you is no, I have no bloody idea how it works. And it, it came as quite a surprise because I, of course, being very self-important as a doctor of philosophy, I was sure that I would be targeted by this Pegasus technology and that my phone was bugged. And so I wanted to see if, uh, uh, how I could check. You know, because they show, they tell you in, 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 in all the articles that you can download a particular software, um, that shows you how you can check if you've been the, the, if you're the subject of, uh, surveillance by Pegasus. And I could, under, I couldn't understand a bloody word of what they were saying. 
And then they asked me to uh, do all this coding with, was it Linux? Yep. And uh, is that even, if that's, and, and I have absolutely no idea how to do that. I just stopped reading the thing and, and ended up not, not, not really caring about it. And that goes, just goes to show. I mean, once upon a time, philosophers were the people who had their uh, finger on the pulse of the latest technological developments, whether it was the alphabet or whether it was uh, the railroad and the factory, like our good Uncle Charlie Marx, mm-hmm. or whatever you want. And these days, it seems, you know, the more academic or the more philosophically inclined you are, the less of a bloody idea you have about how a computer works or how coding works or how surveillance networks work or what an algorithm is. Well, I had, a, I had a look at that software myself. I got maybe a little bit further because of a bit of a techno slut. But um, what got me is I got through the first couple of steps and I was preparing to do this and make it back up and download the other, and it suddenly dawned on me that what it was doing was giving me a list of domain names that Pegasus was using. But I was listening to Ed Snowden talking about it the other day, and he was saying that Pegasus is just one of many. So it struck me that I could even, you know, not that I'm self-important enough, I'm not a doctor of philosophy, um, but not that I'm self-important enough to think that the powers that be, you know, would would want to um, would want to look at my phone and see who I'm talking to, what kind of what kind of chats I'm having with my daughter, what kind of things are happening in the various rooms in this flat that I'm staying in. Um, but it struck me that even if I could weed out all the domain names and all the things that would show that whether or not Pegasus was looking at me, if none of them were there, how do I know that, fucking, I don't know, Dionysus, or pick another name, Icarus. Icarus. Um, Icarus, it's the same sort of thing, um, was not looking at me. Because this, this, this is just one system, Pegasus. It's just one system. And the fact, you know, we were saying earlier, the fact you, you were saying earlier, the fact to, off air that, um, about the genesis of the name Pegasus. Well, yeah, I mean, Pegasus, I'm not sure if all our listeners know, I'm sure some of them are familiar with the term Pegasus. Pegasus was a flying horse in uh, Greek mythology, right? A winged horse. Um, And the interesting thing I think about Pegasus is that Pegasus emerged from the severed head of the monster Medusa. Hmm. That was slain by the hero Paresis. And now Paresis wasn't a hero and Medusa had bad press. <laughs> it was a fairly misogynist society. It's Medusa always a, a, a mansplaining from twenty five hundred years ago. And <laughs> <laughs> well they were Greek. And so what ha- and the the funny thing is that the Medusa um was the kind of monster that if you looked into its eyes or if you if you if, if it glanced at you you would turn into stone mm-hmm. and the horse the winged horse emerges from the 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 severed head of this monster which just goes to show that um pegasus even back then and still today is a a, a metaphor for uh trying to reveal secrets that perhaps should not be revealed 
or trying to stick your nose in places perhaps where they don't belong. Because what happened to Pegasus in the end? Well, Pegasus uh, was eventually uh, given as a gift to another hero, allegedly, mm-hmm. Bellerophon. And Bellerophon, uh, because he used Pegasus so successfully to defeat uh, so many uh, enemies and monsters, thought too highly of himself, as I am, like, as a doctor of philosophy think, and he tried to, to fly with Pegasus up to Mount Olympus to meet the gods and met an untimely death. Some say unseemly, but... Unseemly, untimely. Unseemly, untimely. At the end of the day, he was dead. At the end of the day, he was dead. Yes. And that also perhaps tells us that if you try and use technologies and things to try and uh, spy or hurt your enemies or sell them to regimes that are very violent and oppressive, in the end, you will also... You'll get your comeuppance. You'll also, uh, that's right, get what, what, what your just deserts. Now, when you Hopefully. say selling, this has come from... Um, one point I want to make is that this has come from a um, Pegasus firm. Uh, the people who make it is called NSO. Now, a lot right. of people have been assuming that that stands for National Security Organization or a or a three letter acronym, uh, TLA, to to that effect. Um, but it doesn't actually. It stands for it's an Israeli company, and it's it, <laughs> it stands for the names of the first names of its founders. Yeah, and. Um, Let's have a look. I've got it written down here somewhere, the NSO group. Um, and they, here they are, N, Niv Kami, Omri yep. Levy, yep. and Shalev Julio. Shalev Julio, right. Right. Yep. N-S-O. N-S-O. Yeah, in that order. So I'm sure they use their first names and put them in that order to make it sound like National Security Organization or something, you know. Um, but they were all members of a mob called Unit 8200, which is a signals intelligence spy agency of the Israeli army. A military unit of the intelligence, uh, corps, that's right. Yeah, the, um, now having a look through that and having a look through all this cyber hacking and cyber surveillance stuff, I remember Oh, geez, 18 months ago, maybe two years, two, and it's hard to know in lockdown how the, the passage of time. But I did a bit of a story about a thing called the Cyber Gym, which Daniel Andrews was um, getting in a flap about saying that it was that put Victoria at the forefront of, um, of the fight against cyber terror. Right. And it was run by a mob called Cyber Jim, um, which was founded by a bloke called Ofir Hassan. How, how do I say that properly? Hassan. Hassan. Ofir, all right? Ofir Hassan. That's right. Yeah. And um, I did a bit of looking around at him, and he too had come out of Unit 8200. And, um, wow, I'm so shocked. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. it's... It's hard because I can't find their birth dates, but just looking at, just looking at them, 
He seems about the same age as um, NSNO. And um, then I find out, so, so then I go down the rabbit hole, as Jacob inevitably does, and I, I see that so many tech startups and so many surveillance companies around the world are started by, um, what's the word, alumni of Unit 8200. How does this surprise you all? The industrial complex is going strong in uh, Israel, I see. Yeah, so so what do we know? What do we know about this? It's been around. Amnesty have been chasing it for a while, I believe. Amnesty International have been prosecuting the case for quite some time, trying to um, uh, get cl- uh, clearance or trying to get the court to rule against the um, censorship on freedom of information. Um, I could have said that much more succinctly, but anyway, uh, asking for a freedom That's of information. You're a doctor of philosophy. That's right. Asking for a freedom of information request um, from the NSO about the, um, you know, the details, who the Israeli government had been selling uh, this technology to, and to what aims. Um, and what? And what did they find out? Well, so far, apparently, well, now that we, now that it's been leaked, what we do know from the information is that um, the technology has been. Uh, Utilized yeah. by at least the following list of countries: Azerbaijan, Bahrain, Kazakhstan, Mexico, Morocco, Rwanda, Saudi Arabia, Hungary, India, and the United Arab Emirates. All freedom-loving, democratic, wonderful um, bastions of human rights. One might say bastions of human rights and just awesomeness. Right, and right. The, the first one you mentioned, Azerbaijan. That's right. Um, Israel's been selling, didn't they? Didn't they? Uh, again, they sold. I spoke about it a few months ago when uh, um, Nagorno Karabakh. Um, oh yes, fighting the Armenians. Fighting the Armenians. Wasn't yeah. Israel also accused of selling or, or giving them tests of their new um, bunker buster weapon weapon systems? That's correct. Yeah. And now they're also... Azerbaijan is strategically located just, um, uh, you know, north of Iran, Iran. So... Yes. I'm assuming the Israelis are trying to get, you know, gain a foothold there. Yeah, yeah. And um, Iran was backing... Was Iran backing the Armenians in the um, the Nagorno-Karabakh? I hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, MK... um, Dispute, which I won't say were. I'll say it's it's ongoing. Things aren't things aren't any better now than they were when we reported on it a year ago, or nine months ago, I think it was. Um, there was a ceasefire agreement, but yeah, well, um, now that we find out they've been using not just bunker busting bombs, but this um, surveillance technology, yeah, makes you wonder what the ceasefire is about. Now we're using it in Mexico. Mexico has, apparently, the, Mexico has the, the highest amount of phone num- of phones that have been um, uh, broken into or, or tapped or whatever you want to call it um, by this system than any other country. And what's, who are they using against Mexico? Primarily uh, left-wing activists and, I think, the cartels. Right, okay. Wow, both ends of the spectrum. Both ends of the spectrum. Wow. 
Well, well, not really. I mean, the cartels. I mean, they're they're probably, um, yeah. I, I I don't know. I mean, I'm a little bit cynical about the about the um, the cartels. They seem to seems to me that if um, the cartels have millions and millions of dollars flowing through Wall Street banks, um, Chase Manhattan, Bank of America are the two are the two biggest financial backers of the various cartels in Mexico. So. Um, if they really wanted to stop the cartels, they don't really need to use this um, um, Pegasus software. They just need to to cut their to cut their flow of finance. I mean, they managed to do it. they managed to do it to WikiLeaks, that terrorist organisation. <laughs> I wonder who leaked this information. By the way, that would be we still don't know. Good. Yes. Good, because if you and I knew, that poor bugger would be dead by now. <laughs> well, you know? He'd at least have his phone hacked. Well, and, and not only that, I mean, when I say dead by now, that um, that Saudi journalist who was beheaded, what was his name? Doggy. Yeah. And apparently they used information they got off Pegasus in tracking him down too. Correct. Yeah, so... So I believe I believe the uh, slogan of the company or the uh, the the um, branding name was "I spy with my Zion eye." Oh well, it wouldn't surprise me. I didn't. It, it would surprise me if if they were that open. It would surprise me if they were that open. But on the other hand, it wouldn't surprise me. Mate. It wouldn't surprise me. You know, when we're talking about the eye of Zion, we're not talking about some reggae album. It's um, okay. So. Let's get back on track. Um, what are the implications for privacy? Well, it's interesting that we, we spoke about this before, that the um, we see that often uh, people who are advocating for privacy rights or, or, or up in arms against governments for surveillance or control often uh, are the same people that are against lockdown measures that have to do with covid right right and it seems like it seems like the the only way in which we have to 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 um criticize so-called invasion of privacy is by using a kind of libertarian argument right by saying i have my individual rights and my individual freedoms and they're just given and the government shouldn't interfere in anything that i do right and then we see that many people on the left and the vast majority of the population seem to go along with um, very heavy-handed measures like lockdown and, and things like that, or even doing perhaps... Doing my head in, mate, the way, yeah. the way, as you say, it's the right, the libertarian right, who are coming out, who are largely the privacy advocates and largely the anti-lockdown advocates... And on a whole lot of civil liberties matters. Well, do we have a different or an alternative vocabulary or set of values on the left or whatever, wherever you want to call it, let's just say non-libertarian terms that we can use to uh, shine a critical light on measures like lockdown, Jacob? Well, I don't think we have got an alternative um, uh, vernacular. Vernacular, um, yeah. 
I don't think we have. I, I, I think when we're talking about the lockdown is the lockdown. I think what's happened is that the, the libertarian right have largely taken the left's vernacular in saying they're anti-this, um, they're opposed to, they hold protests, they hold pickets, um, they have days of action, days of rage, and speak outs. They do all the things that we've been doing, well, not only since I was a boy, but since Adam was a boy. All right? And, and they've taken the language. Now, what has happened, therefore, is the left has seen that a lot of these, what's the word, oppositions, well, I mean, I've spoken about it on this show before. I've spoken about it, I think, last week, in fact. But, but particularly early on when these lockdown protests started happening, the way people started calling them all um, right-wing, um, I'm, I'm trying not to swear too much on the radio, but right-wing swear words. Um, when Nothing. most of the people involved in the lockdown protests, the people themselves were not right-wing. Mm-hmm. They were possibly libertarians and <clears throat> influenced by right-wing libertarian thought, and no doubt some of some of the protests were um, um, organised by right-wingers, but some of the people who were at that protest weren't, you know... I wouldn't even, I wouldn't necessarily call them lefties, but they were people who had been to Pine Gap protest with me, who were to Franklin with me, um, 40 years ago, for Christ's sake. Um, there are people who are, you know, have been involved in so many social issues. And so, okay, so they may have changed in much the same way as many people the left seem to have changed. In as much as, you know, people calling for people breaking lockdown laws to be shot, to be thrown into prison. This is good lefties or people who have previously would have described as good lefties. Um, calling for these kind of extreme measures in support of the lockdowns. Um, so I don't know where, I, I don't know how we approach this thing where we can, where we have to oppose some of the measures the governments are taking, but at the same time, not allow ourselves or the left, those of us who are lefties, to be tarred with the brush of free marketeers. How do we, how do we address that? Well, I think that there are several ways that we can do that. Um, and you mentioned, we, um, you mentioned a few that I, that I hadn't thought of myself, but I can think of two maybe strong ones that might um, convince the listeners. One, as you know, people that work in places like Amazon, for example, Amazon factories or whatever, at in their workplace are subjected to surveillance of every single movement that they make and work long shifts without any breaks and work in horrific conditions that, that rival the 19th century in their, in their degradation and lack of uh, dignity in terms of their working life. And, you knew, me. Have... you knew me when I worked at Trades Hall, didn't you, by the sounds of it? <laughs> well, I work at a university, mate, so it's not much better. So the, the, uh, we don't hear many people complaining about privacy rights when it comes to workers' rights or the fact that you should be allowed to – I mean, the trade unions might do that, but, but certainly privacy advocates, ad, privacy advocates don't make the connection. 
So that's a separate argument. You can easily argue for lack of uh, privacy. Uh, sorry, the lack of intervention by and 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 respect for privacy because workers deserve to live to have a dignified uh, time at work and respect their the, and value what they're doing, right? Yes. And that that's easily something that the left can adopt and use that as well as a and as as an argument against lockdown for the for the great um damage that it causes to the livelihood of primarily casualized workers gig economy workers people in un- insecure work most people and the challenge even in people in secure work but they're the working poor for working poor okay yeah. People that have to work at home and therefore have to be constantly in challenging situations, which leads to the second major issue, which is the question of childhood, which perhaps you want to address. All right, but before be, before I go before I go there, there are some people like I, I accept what you say that that people aren't making the connections between these two issues, but is that largely because? Um, We've stopped making connections between so many issues. Um, in as much as, for example, um, how can I put it? We don't, we don't, you know, a lot of people who want, who are campaigning for refugee rights don't want to work on anti-war issues when, I mean, I can't think of two issues which are more intricately related, you know? Um, how, how does that, how does that happen? Um, I, I think, I think people are more, uh, 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 are very happy to protest against the consequences of things, but not necessarily against the, uh, original reasons for them, you know? Like, we don't want refugees because that's a bad consequence of war. But to argue yeah. against war would entail a whole different set of, uh, issues and questions about Western imperialism and modernity yeah. and all these different things that have, you know. But you know, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Issues yeah. have been um, segmented, put in their own little boxes so that people work on this issue, not that issue. And therefore people can't see the connection between all the various issues. I mean, you know, I mean, that's why when, Renegade activists was formed in the eighties. We took on it as a as a slogan at the heart of every just cause is the cause of justice. You know, um as you say, the gig economy, the working poor. Um, I heard someone talking on the radio about the fact that domestic violence has gone through the roof because um, people are stuck in a pressure cooker and people feel that they can't get out, etc. Um, and how how do we deal with that? And I think, you know, I don't want to go into it, you know, it's not a personal issue, but I it just can't imagine what my life would have been like if we had a lockdown when I was six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, you know, with a kind of absolutely traumatic household situation that I grew up in. If, you know, that, and if I couldn't 
just go out in the street for a run or know that I was going to be able to go to school in a few hours and get away for things for six or seven hours and then go to football training after that, you know, and not need to get home until everyone else is just about in bed. Um, and that's not, I'm not talking about me here. I'm talking about that. That situation must be mirrored in so many, so many situations around our society. And I think of those kids who are stuck in the house with their, with their parents, you know, and those women who are stuck in the house with abusive partners. And even a few men who are stuck in the house with abusive partners, you know? It just goes to show that the, the argument that we hear constantly that the lockdown is for our own safety and our own protection clearly isn't, uh, really taking into account all the intensely negative consequences that are, um, occurring as a result of this lockdown. Yeah. And, and that would be sort of like, it would, and, and you know, I've been attacked because I've been attacking the lockdowns. All right. Which is fair enough. I don't mind being attacked. I've been attacked before. <laughs> but, um, you wouldn't mind the lockdown if they seem to be doing the kind of, having the kind of results that they're supposed to. I mean, you know, people are up in arms, for example, this Katie Thompson, um, person, Hopkins person who um, came, who came out to do some big brother show from the old art and people are, uh, you know, ganging up on her and calling her all silly names and the fact that she was allowed and everything. No one's talking about the fact that I think we got, was it 9,000 foreign service people in Australia at the moment? And we know that some of those have tested positive for COVID and we know that so many others and, and they're, they're isolating in their camps and we know that, you know, so many others have, are um, close contacts of those who have been tested positive and we're sending people over to Olympic bloody games and we're, um, what else are we doing? We're, we're having football stadiums. Football stadiums, football games, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, so we went from, we were talking about viruses tonight, aren't we? A computer virus and a virus virus. That's right. And Some um, viruses we're protected from, some viruses we aren't. Yeah, well, I mean, how can we lock down against the Pegasus virus? Because it is a virus. If, it, if it's, it gets into it gets into your operating system or your communications device. I mean, it's a virus. It's Pegasus, and as I said, Ed, Ed Stoder was saying, um, there are so many others like it. This is just the tip of the iceberg. It's a whole sector now, he said, of people who do nothing but create viruses to infect your operating systems. <laughs> um, uh, how do we lock, how do we lock down our, how do we lock down our telecommunication systems? What, well, oh, you know, we've got, um, you know, 915 people have died from COVID in Australia. And look, it's important to say and you always need to give the, the, what's the word, the requisite COVID rider when you're talking about this thing and say, of course, 900 people is too many and every life is sacred to um, paraphrase Monty Python. But, um, it's really for the amount of impact that it's had and it's had it having for the length that we're prepared to go for the 900 people, 850 odd being over 70, um, and most of them being over 80, 
being over 85, in fact, um, the, the length that we're prepared to go to to change our lives because of this when, you know, the science, everyone says, listen, listen to the science. Um, and on that is another, I guess, connection between the two viruses. We've got people t- t- talking to us about the, the Pegasus virus, about how to clean your system and all the rest of it. People don't know. You get people who say, listen to the science, listen, follow all the instructions. And instead of having the Pegasus program on your computer, you're just going to have the bloody Icarus, as I said before, or, or something. You know, I mean, unless you are a telecommunications computer program who understands how these things work in binary, you can't really say what we need to do to protect our communications. In the same way, unless you're an immunologist um, or a virologist who understands how these things actually work, and people say they don't, they, you know, say they understand, but they don't. I mean, they, they scoff at the libertarian right who do their research on Reddit and YouTube, and I scoff at them too, but I also scoff at the people who say they've listened to that scientist and that scientist. The fact is we don't know. We can't understand it, and each of us makes a decision about which set of scientists and which set of information we put our trust and our faith in. All right, so you've got two two viruses happening here simultaneously, and how do we how do we deal how do we deal with this? Well, it's hard to know, and it's hard to um, really understand what to do with all when you know when we when we are in lockdown and how we're supposed to uh, react. Or, or, or I mean, I think given the fact that uh, it's most likely that so, you know if 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 you, if you you want to be spied on, and if the government wants to spy on you, that they will, no matter what you do. To me, that just means, well, go ahead and do whatever it is that you want to do because, you know, you can't really control whether or not you're going to be found out. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But, I mean, like it's and, – and generally I do. You know that, brother. Exactly. <clears throat> and most of the people listening know that. Um, however, things, for example, like um, talking on 3CR, there are things I'd like to say, things I think, things I, want, I think need to be said that I can't say on 3CR um, because it would place the broadcasting license in jeopardy. And um and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that. Anyway, we've just about run out of time here on Community Radio 3CR. And um I've lost track of the time. I forgot what time we started. Um but um thanks for joining us, Yoni. I'm very very, very happy to. Thank you for having me. And when we say we're um, at the heart of every just cause is the cause of justice, just let folks know again that I'm working with a mob called Justice Action while I'm in while I'm in Sydney, who are um um prisoners' rights mob who I've been working with for thirty odd geez, maybe close to forty years. God, am I that old? So keep an eye out on um the social medias for Justice Action, doing a lot of doing a lot of good work in the prison communities right around the country.
You've been listening to A Friday Rave. My name's Jacob here on Community Radio 3CR 855 on your AM dial through all the W's at 3cr.org.au, through 3CR Digital, or however you listen to it. Um, talk to you more next week.